Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am Chip Chantry. Ken, I'm excited. Let's let's jump in. Let's do this. Yeah. So we have uh, we have a pair of guests today that I'm very excited about. Um, our first guest is a singer songwriter, and she's promoting some shows uh, coming up next week in New York City, Philly, and Washington D.C. Welcome to the show, Lauren Monroe. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're we're excited to have you on, and you brought with you. Um, a returning guest. He, he's been on before, uh, but Def Leppard's own Rick Allen. Fantastic. Thank you. Nice to nice to be here. Yeah. Well, last time you were here, you brought Zach Hansen with you and people got such a kick out of that episode. And uh, but this week, uh, Lauren is bringing you. You're the guest. Yes, yes, the, the I'm plus one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be playing with Lauren, uh, as you suggested, in uh, New York, uh, Philly, and then uh, we're going to be doing a show in uh, DC. So uh, we're all excited. Yeah, I want to get to that. We were we were reading the uh, we were reading what these shows are about, and they're for uh, they're for a great foundation. Um, so I want to get into that. But Lauren, I wanted to start with you because Chip and I have actually we we've been talking for the last few weeks. We we've been trying to get female musicians on. And uh, it hasn't been as easy as as we we've had plenty of we've had female comedians and we've had other guests, but uh, you're our first female musician. So um, yesterday, uh, news comes out from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that Dolly Parton is uh, withdrawing her name. She was she was up for induction this year, and when I heard that. I, I was kind of bummed out because I think she probably would have gotten in uh, easily because who doesn't love Dolly Parton? And women are so underrepresented in the Hall of Fame that I, I felt like it was a good chance to get to get another female artist in. Why do you, why do you think women are so underrepresented? Wow. That's a loaded question, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think we, we fight against the tide of a patriarchal consciousness that runs through our everyday lives. And, um, you know, that's changing slowly, but I think women's voices need to be heard more. And the more we get amplified, the more I think we will gather more steam in how we are integrated in, in life and music and art and, and every single profession, you know, around the globe. Uh, so it's just a matter of persistence and, you know, having shows like this to be able to amplify our voices and get to know how we think and, and um, all the power we can bring. Yeah, that's um, that's I, I what you say about amplifying the voices is a good point, because I was when it was announced that that she was nominated. I was already thinking ahead to how great that speech was going to be and how how important that would have been for uh, little girls thinking about being musicians to to hear. Um, Why did she know? So she's claiming I, I guess she feels that she's not really a rock artist and she felt like she didn't want 
her she didn't want to split votes between true rock artists. So she bowed out. What I did like that she said was that it it inspired her. Uh, she wants to record a rock album. This is it. She, she says she she wants to be nominated again if she's done something that she feels is worthy, which I mean, listen, if we get a Dolly Parton rock album out of this, that that would be pretty fantastic, too. But then I, I started I just started looking at uh, some of the names, like some of the women artists that aren't in. And it's I mean, there's I, I was going through the list. Um, there's entire years where no women were inducted. Which is, you know, that that just seems crazy to me. Pat Benatar was the one that you brought up that I was, yeah, I, was blo- I was shocked. I was just yeah. shocked that she wasn't she wasn't involved. Pat Benatar, Whitney Houston. I mean, well, Rick, that's a good that's a good question for you because there there's nobody's more rock and roll than Def Leppard. When when you look at the Hall of Fame, do you do, does it annoy you when you see hip hop artists or country artists? Like, do, do you think it should be just rock? Um, I, I actually think at this point it should just be music. Right. Uh, it, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure that splitting, splitting things into uh, different genres is the way to go. Um, you know, I mean, we're completely different to, say, you know, uh, Janet Jackson. She was, uh, she was inducted mm-hmm. the, uh, the night. We, uh, we were on there and you know that that's two totally different types of music but uh, yeah I, th- I think it should be it should be music not necessarily just rock yeah yeah I, I agree and there's also because I, I think you know I, I think rock is also it's more of um, a lifestyle or culture like there's a lot of things that the those early rappers were doing that was was very uh, similar to to how there's actually there's a lot of similarities between rap and punk. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the you know the do it yourself spirit and selling cassettes out of cars. So it was I think it was all pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren, I was reading on your website that some of your uh, influences were Janis Joplin. And uh, Bonnie Raitt and Linda Ronstadt. And it was funny because when I read that, I, I was like, oh, Bonnie Raitt. And that's what made me think of the Hall of Fame. I was like, I, I wasn't sure if she was in. And then I was surprised when I clicked on it to find out that she actually was. Because that feels like she feels like an artist that the Hall would 100% overlook. I would never overlook her, but yeah, I guess yeah. I'm glad she's in there. I'm uh, I'm very inspired by her and her voice and her guitar playing, just her whole presence and what she does for charity. I'm very um, inspired by how she gives back. Do you um, who who were some of your? I, I read that you you got a guitar uh, at the age of six. Can can you remember? Yeah. Can you tell us who your earliest influences were? Uh, when I was six, <laughs> my grandfather. My grandfather was. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time. I grew up in Queens, mm-hmm. uh, but we spent a lot of time up in the Adirondacks, where the bluegrass music was popular, and 
Um, I got a, a you know a, a big dose of, of music in my family life. Um, but you know, I, I grew up in my teens listening to Jim Morrison quite a bit. That I think he he gave me permission to use the mystical um, language uh, and poetry, so to speak, in my um, my expression of music because he was a poet and he was a medicine man in his own right, the way he harnessed energy on stage. And I really was inspired by him. I saw him and I saw, I think I saw something in myself at a very early age that I couldn't really define. Um, so he would be my, my top guy as far as being a, a young person um, discovering music. Did, that's, did you have a favorite Doors album? Mm. No, I just loved all of them, really. Um, I just, I, I played them over and over again. You know, I was the teenager with the headphones laying on my bedroom floor listening to the end like 10 times in a row at night. <laughs> it's just <laughs> dark in my mind, but uh, I was on a, on a mission. And speaking of, I know you talk a lot about, you know, music being healing. And I know that's that's part of what, what we're doing with these these events uh, over the next week and and uh, and that type of thing. Um, we're obviously huge music lovers. We obviously change our lives. They, they affect us. You know, music affects us so much. Uh, can you speak a little bit more to that about uh, about the healing power of music and how you how you use it and how you feel like it can be used uh, in that in that facility? Yeah, um, well, uh, at my shows, I use music along with storytelling because, um, you know, the setup can really give an experience to someone who's listening that's different. Mm -hmm. So uh, the storytelling wrapped around music, but the tones, um, you know, the frequencies, the drumming, uh, are, it's really important rhythm, I feel, to, to, to be able to create a, a dominant frequency in the room. People can click into and start feeling a familiar vibe. You know, Rick and I have been doing drum circles for 20 oh, years yeah. now together. And, you know, uh, the rhythm is a big ingredient for leading people into a healing experience. So, um, you know, music is a universal language. We don't need to have words often when we just sculpt a language of music. And mm -hmm. then when you have people together in a room, experiencing something together it becomes bigger than yourself which we all know like going to epic concerts like with rick's concerts and bigger venues arena arenas and stadiums becomes something otherworldly seeing everyone together in that space and so what i do is more intimate um, so i get the opportunity to storytell and guide people into a healing experience um, which is really great and that's my favorite thing to do oh that's great and what what can people expect uh, for these shows, these upcoming shows? What, how, how do you structure it? Is it? It's you're going to be doing some storytelling as well as the music. Is it? Is it basically a concert, or is the, is there more levels to it? It's both. I mean, I, I because we have the charitable component, we'll we'll have two uh, pieces of art there that Rick and I did collaboratively, um, and uh, we'll be auctioning them off, and the and the proceeds go towards. Pro, uh, trauma programs and um, for veterans and people at risk. Um, so we'll be, we'll be talk, telling stories around, you know, our experiences with trauma and working with others and our own life experience. You know, my husband has PTSD, is very vocal about that and helping others. Um, and then wrapping those stories around the song so people can experience them as well. So they'll be both. And I, I love this kind of format because it's very personal. 
mm-hmm. and really intimate. We're not going to just go and rock out and play, although we will be doing that. We, we, we really want an interaction with the audience and to share with them what we've been doing and how we can all help you know, the world and our community. Oh, that's amazing. That is that's it's got to be rewarding too. I'm I'm sure you must hear from uh, people after the show, and you, you must hear stories of of how it's affected them differently. Mm-hmm. We do, and it's just I remember the first time I I didn't realize the impact you know that we were able to create, um, but the people get very moved, and this this people get moved to tears, and they want to share, and that's why we're doing it. Because oftentimes we're all alone in our experiences and we go out to forget about them. Mm-hmm. We go out to have a drink and have a good time. We don't want to leave our stuff at home. But then after a night out, we go home and our stuff is still there. And so when you go out, when you go out for an evening and you get to bring that with you and start to feel it with other people um, and, and hear other people's perceptions of things that you've gone through, it's like, uh, you know, you get to take a shower. You feel you feel rejuvenated. You yeah. feel like you've left a weight out instead of um, going home and, and, and wrestling with things by yourself. So it's a community event. I, you know, we're on stage having a show. I don't, it's entertaining. I don't feel like we're entertainers. You know, we're guides. We want to bring people into an experience um, that's a little different than a, a concert. That, that sound well. I'm. I'm. Uh, I think I'm coming Monday night, so I can't wait to. Uh, I can't, yeah, yeah. Um. So I can't wait to see this. Um. Yeah, I think. I think what you say is definitely like Chip and I are both. Um. Com- we're both stand-up comics, and I know when I do a regular show at a club and people just come up to you and like, Hey, good show or great set. Like that feels good. But I've also done, um, I've done several AA, uh, several AA shows or NA shows. And the gratitude that comes out of those crowds is it just, it makes you feel, it makes you feel a different way than a regular show does. I know when somebody comes up to me afterwards and and they're like, hey, I didn't I didn't know if I was going to make it through the week. So to to laugh for an hour and and get out of my head like that was so great. And and when you hear that, it's um, you have an appreciation of it, I think, on a different level. And you feel a higher purpose to what you're doing. You know, there's so many people that are suffering out there and, you know, we need to laugh. And we need to find an inspiration and a reason towards moving ahead when when the future looks pretty bleak in in many directions. You know, when we take our head out of the sand away from our, you know, our devices and we look around, um, you know, I think we've forgotten how to really communicate with one another and and share um, the way I remember the world when I was younger. So anything we can do in the arts that could do that, I think we all should. So I, I, I love I love that story that you did. And, and I think that's really important, too, because like I've, I've had similar shows like Ken with that. And, you know, I've done shows where they've been fun or whatever. And then you have those moments where it is a real with comedy. Your goal is you want to make it a shared experience and a unique experience. Tonight is the only night that this exact thing is happening. And it's special just for the people in the room. And I feel like that's what you're really trying and you do accomplish there. Like I've been to so many Ken and I've been to hundreds of concerts and you'll see concerts that are great and technically proficient, but they don't, there's just not a vibe in the room and they don't, 
it's not that shared experience where I've gone to a lot of shows where maybe they weren't exactly in tune or it wasn't perfect, but just everybody in the room was on board. And those shows are always 10 times better. I mean, it's, it's that shared experience for you to reach out to the audience and, and be able to create that environment, I think is, is, is so important. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I, we get a lot out of it too. Yeah. And to step back, I guess, just, just so all the listeners, um, can you guys tell us a little bit more about the found about Raven drum and, and about how this all got started and where, what you're hoping to, to do with it before we, and then, and then we'll get into, cause I know you're, you're offering some, some seats, uh, to, to veterans. I want to get into that a little bit as well, but maybe just take us back to where, where this started and, and what, what the, first, what the goal was. Well, when we first met, we, yeah, when we met um, I came from a healing arts background and a music background. And so I met Rick more of as a, a, a healing professional and uh, I worked with him and and then we started playing music together and uh, it grew from there. And as we started playing, we both agreed that uh, drumming in particular were, was a way to to share some of our knowledge of healing and help other people. And so we started the foundation, the Raven Drum Foundation. Uh, we first started working with uh, at-risk youth and special needs kids. We worked with uh, incarcerated youth in um, medium security prisons um, and moved on to uh, teenagers with cancer and a wide variety of people um, creating these circles. And then uh, in 2006, Rick went to Walter Reed for the first time. Yeah, that, that was, that was uh, really heavy, a lot of suffering. Um, but people were really inspired by uh, my story and, um, you know, what, what I've been able to do with my life. But, um, you know, I spoke to Lauren uh, after uh, I'd been to Walter Reed and I said, you know, we, we really have to refocus uh, our attention on, on our vets. You know, there's a lot of suffering. And that's when we formed um, Project Resiliency. Yeah, it was a special program for veterans. Um, and what we do with the foundation is we started with drumming uh, mm -hmm. and mindfulness. And uh, we really bring a lot of uh, complementary therapies to the work that we do and the work that we support. Uh, we have partner organizations that provide wonderful things like yoga and mindfulness practice. We've supported equine therapy in the past. And um, we find that... Uh, these alternative therapies really, really help people. Mm -hmm. And um, especially with trauma, because sometimes talk therapy isn't the way for everyone. Um, I, my background is in the healing arts, in massage therapy, integrated practice, energy medicine. And I know from my experience and with music too, that trauma is in the body. And we hold a lot in the body, even if it stays there. If we push it out of our mind, it will stay in the body and it will come out at some point. And so the body is an access point. And so when we're drumming, we're breathing, we're concentrating on, you know, relaxing, feeling our feet on the ground, teaching people techniques like grounding and clearing and focusing your mind so that we can access some things that are hidden and, um, and, and help release them together through rhythm. That's really interesting. And that, cause you don't think about that because you know, when I think of therapy, it's like, okay, yeah, talk therapy and that's what you do. And that's how you get through it. But it's, there, there is that experience of 
you know, there's exercise, of course, and, and yoga, but but just that that physical performance of music and and the rhythm, just getting out there. I, I, that, that that really is amazing. And then I, I know you, you talk about, and forgive me if I'm getting these terms wrong, but uh, you know, like al- alternative medicine or alternative therapy, and then complementary therapy. I, I, I have an idea of what those are. Is there a difference between the two, or is is that does complementary just mean that it's you're complementing maybe traditional medicine or, or whatever? Exactly. That's what we're. That's what the the coin term is. Complementary medicine is in partnership with allopathic medicine, which is Western medicine, going mm-hmm. through our formal physicians, and they don't stand alone. They should be worked together. They should be used together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with a lot of our veterans, you know, they've been prescribed pills and drugs to help them, and they hate it, and it's not working, and they want something else. So. Um, not, not that, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, you know, aren't working, but for some people, it just doesn't get them to where they want to be. And so these other modalities really help. Um, and so we want to give everyone the opportunity to learn more about them, experience them and align ourselves with other organizations that are providing that too. So it's, it's been great. We've been met, we've met so many wonderful people doing such great work that it gives us hope you know, with humanity. Yeah. Um, that we all help one another. Yeah. And you've done, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a common thread, but you, you, you know, at risk youth, uh, incarcerated people that, you know, and then to, uh, veterans, do you, do you approach those groups differently? Like is, is each one, does, do you, is it sort of, do you, do you, do you take the same approach with each one or, or are there different techniques for, for each different group? Um, trauma is trauma. No matter what, if it's a car accident or, you know, if it's an abuse issue or if it's combat trauma, it's all, your body just records it as trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, there, 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 are, there are little different ways that we uh, have to adjust with, say, combat trauma compared to different kinds of trauma. Um, but um, it's generally the same. Um, and it's just really opening the door for people to feel who they are in a safe place and then identify where their wound is and sometimes it's very painful like I know we had to adjust what we did when we started working with veterans because in combat trauma a lot of the injuries um, uh, were impacted from IEDs Mm -hmm. and they you know so the impact they would have impact on the physical body so when we're drumming it could trigger stuff. Oh wow! Right, yeah. I was, I was thinking about that because the the loud noise and that. So, so what was what was the work around there? Just to, to start to desensitize them. Okay. And then and then be able to grow the rhythm and have them feel it and then stop and have them be really aware, like this is what your body's responding to the sound and your body when you have trauma thinks it's exactly experiencing what what it did when you had the when the trauma occurred, it doesn't mm-hmm. know it's not actually happening now. So it's just a matter of being able to train your mind and breathe and have your body assimilate the sound in a conscious way and, and learn how to you know, relearn mm-hmm. um, or that sound within your body. So I, I, that was a learning curve too, to go, oh, wow, yeah, this is, this is a very different thing for someone who has had an explosion um, that experience with their body and then have the big kick drum and the big drumming. Um, so it's, it's been an education and we've worked with really, really amazing practitioners and uh, experts in the field of trauma. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. Yeah. H- have you ever had, um, 
Have you ever had somebody uh, pick up the drumsticks that's never drummed before and they completely take to it? You know, have you have you ever oh, heard wow. you ever heard any of these guys like starting a band or or going on to to um you know play concerts or anything like that? Nothing that big, but a lot of these a lot of guys want to get a drum afterwards. And some of the circles that we have, they um people like to stand on the fringe and say, you know, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to, you know, watch and we don't really encourage that. We you need to at least pick up a shaker, but always always by the end of the circle, everybody's drumming because mm-hmm. it becomes infectious, you know, you just start to feel like you belong and that you want to play. It's true. It's true. Yeah. People want to get involved, you know, that's great. And now, and do you, do you obviously with, with the drum circles and with, with this program, you work together. Do you, the two of you collaborate together a lot outside of that as well? Out of the drum circle? Yeah. Musically. Like I know know, Rick will be playing with you this week or next week. Uh, Do you do that? Is, do you guys play together a lot? When he's not with his day job. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> when we were at home, I mean, you know, during COVID, mm-hmm. it was it was fantastic that the two of us, you know, we could we could get together and create music, you know, um, in our studio. And uh, you know, some, sometimes when she's put when she's writing new songs, you know, she'll say, "What do you think of this idea?" or whatever, or "Do you have a rhythm for this?" Um, and then we'll work on things together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. How long have you been married? We've known each other for 22 years. 22 years, married for 18, I think. Okay. So, wow. So, and Rick, you've known the guys in Def Leppard almost 50 years, 40 something? Since since the winter of 1978. Oh, wow. So it's got to be like when you're in a band that long, that's got to be like having that's got to be like a like a four or five way marriage almost like that's got to be like having a bunch of wives. Um, well, yeah, I guess you could put it. That way. <laughs> and then in your spare time, you, you go out with your actual wife. Do you ever do you ever get time to yourself? Do you ever just want to play with uh, strangers or? Um, you know what? Um, more recently, it's just been about being at home, being creative with the artwork, uh, which helped me maintain my sanity and then being busy with the, with the music and then, you know, taking care of our daughter, you know, trying to be a good father, trying to be a good husband. And, you know, all those things take time. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't get a great deal of time to myself to be to to be honest. Yeah, um, I, t- I take time, but I I know there's always stuff that needs to be done. You know, um, either at home or yeah, just you know, just just generally, you know, keep, keeping keeping things tidy <laughs> to me is really is really challenging. Sure. And uh, you mentioned the artwork, you know, outside of music, but like, you know, the visual art. Did you did the both of you start that together or did one of you influence the other? And, and how of, how often do you uh, do you do the visual art? I think we've both been been involved in visual art before we even knew each other. 
Yeah. And then, and then it, it, it just kind of grew, uh, particularly when we met with Wentworth Gallery. And, and, and now um, uh, myself, Lauren, and our youngest daughter, uh, we, we all get involved. In fact, uh, these next few shows coming up, I think, is the first time that our youngest daughter is going to have a few pieces on display. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's so great. Yeah. How, how old is your youngest? 11 and a half. Going on 21. <laughs> <laughs> she knows everything. Of course. Of course she does. Yeah, that's great. Um, and will 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 they be on display uh, for these? Will these be for, I, I know you're going to be auctioning off some of these things, or there's there's silent auctions. Is, is, is that true? Um, at the at the City Winery and the World Cafe in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. all, the, all the shows we're playing, we'll have two pieces mm-hmm. of uh, art that we did collaboratively that we'll be auctioning. Then Rick has two uh, two shows, well, four shows, art shows coming up. There's two in Florida, in Miami, and, um, and then uh, one in Atlantic City. Uh, and, oh, and then there's another one in King, King of Prussia. King of Prussia outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. And, oh, that's and where I grew up. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hometown. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your artwork, Rick, is uh, you, I remember uh, we were looking at it before we interviewed you last time. Mm-hmm. And, and the artwork is it's incredible. It's it's almost it's, it's not fair that you're that good at more than one thing. And my like it's uh-huh. like you should just be good at music or painting. No, yeah. that, that that's cool, man. I, it, you know what? It, it, I think I think just being uh, creative in general uh, for for me is uh, is a very healing experience, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm creative is because it makes me feel good. Yeah. You know? And do you are and I'm sorry. Do you work in? Do you do art therapy as well? Is that part of what Raven Drum is, or is that specifically the the, the music? Yeah, it's just music. It's mm-hmm. more uh, music. I mean, we, we do incorporate some art when we've done workshops before and retreats, but we focused on the music piece mm-hmm. um, most. Yeah. Lauren, can and you, Lauren, you, oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Uh, can, I was going to say, Lauren, you have a, uh, uh, you, you also have a single coming out next week too. Is that right? It's this. I do. I have a single coming out. Yeah. Called Kiss Me Now. And Kiss it's me now. a, it's a, it's a, like a Western pop song. I, w- I think it was inspired by my younger days of appreciating bluegrass music. And it's a, um, it's not indicative of the album, but uh, it's one of those songs that came in for, you know, 10 minutes and it was written. And I was like, thank you. You know, uh, and it's so fun to play and um, I'm excited to release it. I know now is a very interesting time with, with the, what's going on in the Ukraine. And the, there's just a lot happening in the world. But I feel the song is an opportunity to think about what we can't take for granted, and that's the people that we love. Because kiss them now, because they might not be there. And I you know we see it over and over again over the past couple of years how fragile um, life is, and um, there's no guarantees the people that we love are going to still be around. Yeah. So that it's a very fun song. It's an uplifting song. Rick didn't play on it, but I had Steve Ferroni play. Um, Oh yeah, the other guy. The other guy. <laughs> it's it's a great it's a great song. I was listening to it last night, so um, I'm assuming it'll be available anywhere you can stream on Friday. Yes, 
Yeah. Well, so so it's uh, Kiss Me Now. And um, it's great. I loved it. I listened to it a few times last night. You know, it's it's um, it had sort of it felt like a little bit of a blending of different types of music. Like it felt a little country ish. It did feel a little pop ish. Um, I saw I saw Los Lobos the other night in concert. Uh, who's a bucket list band for me. I've I've been wanting to see them since I was a teenager and they were they were in a small theater right down the street. But it um it almost reminded me of that kind of uh that kind of blending of several genres of music. So yeah, I think that's happening more and more these days, you know. Uh, it's become more acceptable. You know, for for you know different artists, it's like, genre. yeah. I mean, it's like going back to what we were saying about the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, maybe at one at one point it was legit. You know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I think now, you know, we've got this blending of all these different different types of music, and I, I think it's really healthy. You know, I think it's healthy for people to see different artists collaborating together. Um, and yeah, I, I think some great new music has come out of it. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I love I love when you see uh, when you see genres mashed up in, in music. Lauren, what do you what do you think is or maybe you can explain it? What is so therapeutic about music? Like what why is it when I'm depressed, I listen to the most depressing music I can get my hands on? But that's like what. But it somehow makes me feel better. Like how how come I'm not trying to listen to happy, uplifting music to pull myself out of it? But I I dig deeper. But it that somehow makes me feel better. Yeah. Is that the need to I, feel it? Yeah, I think I think we all have a very deep deep desire to connect. And when there is a um, when there's music there that helps us dive deep. Um, there's a reassurance, and I, I experienced that too. Um, and I think also music brings about this otherworldly presence because it's something different than physical art where we could see it. We're, we're experiencing something we can't see. And it's so, it's miraculous when we think about it. Yeah. Music is like a miracle. We can't see it. We're just, it's just an experience of vibration and frequency and silence versus sound. And it brings us into an experience. And when we have that, there's a healing effect. And so we can be listening to sad, sad music and feel sad. And all of a sudden it's very cathartic. Something bigger than ourselves is wrapping themselves around us, the music. Yeah. And we're able to be be in the presence of something bigger and experience our pain so i've never been asked that question before so i hopefully that's a good <laughs> no and i i think because and that totally makes sense too i mean it just because i do the same thing and so many people do it's like you're sad why do you listen to sad music and it's i think it, it misery loves company and you know and that's what it is and it's and because just like what you said with it's like well i guess i'm not the only person going through it right now or at least it, at some point, it could be 50 years old, 100 years old music, but it's it, somebody else was going through this and created this thing. So it th there is that bigger thing and that bigger sense of there's a community out there. Somebody else in the world is listening to this song right now. I, I think about that sometimes. And there is that feeling that does take you out of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, we exactly. agree. Yeah, I don't under like, why aren't I? I, I don't I don't try and 
pull myself out. Like, well, maybe I'll let me throw on the monkeys or something cheerful. <laughs> right. <laughs> we want to feel it, but we don't want to feel it alone. When you put music on, you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot of a lot of artists, a lot of writers. Um, I know you've written some of your best songs when you've been in in some of your most depressed states. Yeah, I think they're all an opportunity to to be creative. So yeah, I, I know when I, when I'm angry, I like if I'm in a bad mood, that's when I write my best material. I know that. Like if I do, if I if I stub my toe, you know, like I'm just like really bad. I'm walking, I stub my toe, I get really mad. Literally, the first thing I do is I I sit down and I just start writing because yeah. something's yeah. something's gonna come out and it's it's well, gonna be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> there there is something to be said for that. Like I find. Um, when my life is its most chaotic is when I have my best sets on stage. That's when when I'm when I'm upset, if I'm depressed or I'm angry about something and I don't even want to be at the club that night. Uh, that's I, I don't know if it's you. You just there, there. There's a level of like, hey, I don't I don't give a shit how this goes and and then that makes it more freeing but i i do find that yeah when you're sick uh, if if i'm not feel, like if i have a cold or something like that i'm sick i go up on stage i'm feeling terrible all day i you get on stage and it's there's something clicks where you're just you get to tap into something and you forget about it and it just it feels great yeah, yeah i've experienced that too. yeah now, um, after these three dates, Lauren, do you have plans or are you are you going to be touring anymore? I know people are you know, obviously starting to get back out there after COVID and all. Uh, any, any plans to do other shows besides these three? Yeah, I'll be in Nashville on May 23rd and we're booking some other shows around those surrounding areas. And um, late summer and the fall, we're we're starting to book out. So, yes, I'll be and I'll be releasing more singles all up until October when that when the album comes out. Oh, that's great. That's cool. That's great. Let me yeah. let me give um, let me give the dates uh, to our listeners yeah. um, now. Uh, so Monday, March twenty first, you'll be at the Loft at City Winery in New York City, which is uh, an incredible venue. Um, I've seen a few shows there and I love it, so I'm excited to go back. Tuesday, March 22nd, uh, The Lounge at World Cafe Live in Philly. And that's where I'm hoping to make it out. And uh, that's also a great, uh, an amazing venue as well. And then um, this looks like Thursday, the 24th, Washington, D.C., also The Loft at City Winery. So and, and also, I know Chip mentioned this up front. You have something which I think is so cool um, where you can gift tickets to veterans. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, can you tell us? Can you tell us how to do that or just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, you can donate. Uh, you can go to ravendrumfoundation.org or you can donate by texting and you can text 202-858-1233 and make a donation. Uh, and then that donation will be used to buy a, a seat for a veteran to experience the night with us um, as a healing evening out. And so if you can't make it yourself, your donation will help a vet to come. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, the, the, one of the uh, last shows that we did, uh, a local show, uh, we had over uh, 60 veterans there and they were all uh, donated. Seats oh, that's donate. so cool. That's great. That's great. 
that's such a cool experience. And then I, I would assume they would then be able to, if they're interested and able to, to then move on to maybe do some more events with you or, or some, some outreach as well. I think that's just yeah, and learn more, learn more yeah. about uh, ways to, 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 you know, we just, we want to throw a stone in the lake and have the ripple effect happen and people experience and then pass it on and, and have it grow because, um, you know, our veterans are underserved and they're, uh, they're misunderstood. And there's a lot of, um, you know, misunderstanding around what PTSD is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we want to help amplify, you know, the, the message that um, there's a lot of PTSD in the world, not just combat trauma. And uh, we're all here to, to help one another. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it, it, in one way or another, you know, unfortunately, I, I think just even with what we've all gone through over the past two years, obviously people, some more than others, but maybe one thing that will come out of it, and I'm trying to look for a silver lining, but that more people will understand what it's what it's like to go through that or at least have more empathy to, you know, to people who have gone through one form of trauma or another, whether <laughs> whether it is veterans or, or, you know, sufferers of abuse or, or whatever it might be. But hopefully... Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you said the key word, and that's empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to go through hard, you know, hard times and then shut down. But um, we're, we're seeing that the more we open up and, and, and share our experiences, the more everyone feels better. So yes. empathy is key, and that's what I write about. That's, why, that's what I want to be the outcome of, of my shows, is to mm-hmm. people to have their heart open more and, and to look around with strangers and feel like their family. Because we are, and it it just is that thing. It's that that equalizer to a certain extent of how. And I, I was reading your website early, earlier this week too about how you know we, we and it's obvious you know we're so separated right now, whether it's politically, socially, whatever it might be. But music is one thing that I would assume ninety nine percent of people love, or at least have a connection to. And you can have people from all walks of life come in and enjoy not only just enjoy the same music, but like going to a concert that they really like. And it's like, oh, wow, we can at least do that. But I think what you're doing is taking a step further. And not only are they just enjoying it, but they are actually involved in in it one way or another, which I think just brings that to such another level where people can communicate, you know, communicate that way. I think that, that, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, there is a certain uh, participation that, 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 that happens. Um, and, and that's when you actually experience it, you know, and then you can, you can go away feeling, you know, feeling like you went through something really special. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to come see this. I say that now, but then I'm going to be crying Monday night. Like, why? Why did I do this to myself? <laughs> I'm crying in a room full of strangers. <laughs> Rick cries. On I cry all the time, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. I as as I as I I found as I get older that uh, I definitely I definitely cry more since since having a kid I cry more. Um, yeah, I, I just look in the mirror and. <laughs> but again it's cathartic it's you get it out which is which is great i think that's that's good um rick you've got uh you you have a big tour you have a big stadium tour coming up right 
Yes, uh, finally. Um, you know, it's been it's been too dangerous, you know, to get out mm-hmm, there. Sure. Uh, I think all the promoters are on board now. Um, so, you know, if we don't get thrown another curveball, then uh, middle of June, the uh, first show is in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you're going out with um, Poison and Motley Crue, Motley Crue Joan and Joan Jett. Wow, what a lineup. Yeah. Yeah, and we 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 played with them all before, you, you know, not necessarily uh, together in one place, which I think is is the that's the really special thing about uh, that lineup is being able to people being able to go to a show and listen to hit songs all night. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, yeah, they're all great bands, so, you know, it, it's it's going to be a great evening for everyone. Yeah, it's um, it ha- it has to be tough too. I I saw you guys did a lot of work uh, on Zoom during the pandemic, helping out musicians in need. It, it's got to be tough. There's there's a line between um, wanting to you know wanting to keep your fans safe. You know, like I I I was appreciating when even though there was concerts I had tickets to, I was appreciating when they were postponing them. Because I knew that it was to keep people safe, but there's got to be a a fine line between that, but also needing to feed your family and needing to earn money. So um, it's not a it wasn't a black and white issue. And, uh, you know, everyone handled it different. And we went through that the same thing, obviously, you know, to a certain extent. Yes. As comedians. No, I mean the, the 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 entertainment you know industry just took such a massive hit, and uh, early early on in um, in in COVID, um, Lauren came up with this fantastic idea for Big Love Benefit concert. Mm-hmm. You want to tell me a little bit about it? Um, we, yeah, we um, we do an annual fundraiser every year with our foundation, and this that year we we went to Sound Image to look at the soundstage to to do an online thing with uh, Nugs TV. And we were, we, we learned more about what was going on with backstage professionals and around, there was a lot of suicides. And we just said, we were shocked, you know? And so we just, Rick really just went into his phone and started calling all his friends and was like, let's do something. And Tommy Shaw stepped up and Winona Judd and, Mm -hmm. Um, Matt and Sorum, Matt Sorum from Guns N' Roses, Miles Kennedy, Miles Kennedy, and Almond Betts Band, and it was just and Billy Idol. Uh, so we we just had the best time. I put it. We've never done anything like that before, especially like a streaming event with with all these videos people were sending. So um, I I got a chance to like put on a producer's hat and direct with a friend of mine, and um, it was fun. And we raised uh, some money for. Um, for, um, oh, um, um, yes. My, my, my mind just went what's, blank. What's it? Was, was it for musicians out of work? Sweet Relief. Sweet yes. Relief. Sweet Relief. Sweet relief. Yeah. And okay. what they, yeah, and the money went towards uh, mental health um, funds uh, for backstage music professionals and what they really needed because, you know, nobody was out of work. And a lot of crew that I, I, and I know from, from your uh, organization and others – that's their life. They're on the road. That's their family. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you lose that for, you know, the period of time that they did. 
and that your identity is gone. And we find that in, in veterans too that retire, they they lost their their family, their you know their their support group, their inspiration, you know, their support yeah. group, and their and, and that could be devastating alongside it with the financial loss. Right. So um, so it was a big it was a big project, and uh, we were happy to do it, and we would do it again in a heartbeat. That's great. Yeah, people don't realize how much pe- people never stop to think about the behind the scenes and the crew. Like I remember uh, when John Entwistle died on the eve of a Who tour and uh, Pete got a lot of flack for continuing the tour. And I remember the, you know, the story was like, oh, how much money does this guy need? And it it's like, well, it's not how much money does Pete need. It's like if you cancel an entire tour, that's that's an entire crew out of job. That's yeah. that's right. people selling concessions every night out of work. That's the merch guys out of work. Like, yeah, Pete doesn't need the money, but he, it's it's you know, I I think when when you're that big, Rick, I'm sure you can attest to this. It's it's almost like a corporation that you got to keep going. Man, it, it's, I mean, it, it's uh, its the infrastructure, it's everything, it's everything surrounding it, um, all the way down to, you know, restaurants surrounding mm-hmm. the venue. Yeah. And, you know, where people normally go, hang out, all of a sudden, that all went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, we're just hoping um, that that infrastructure is still going to be in place. And, and, and one of the reasons why we did, you know, Big Love Benefit Concert and, 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 you know, other organizations have done events like that was to really just keep the infrastructure together so it'd be there when we finally came back out and got back out on the road again. You know? mm-hmm. That's great. Because people don't think about that. Like, I was just looking at the, they had the, the, Major League Baseball had, you know, was going to postpone the season or whatever. And people are thinking of the owners and the players, but it is all of those other, the grounds crew and the concession people. And just, you know, all of those people involved are, are out of work then if they're, if they can't settle that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lauren, was this, was the big love con, was that, was it, sh- so it was shot on the sound, it was shot on a sound stage. Yeah, we we had a, a private event at Sound Image uh, stage in San Francisco, and we were able to uh, have some donors come and and watch the show. We had like you know ten guests because it was uh, COVID time. That's great. We, had to, we really had to make it. So we had some really wonderful uh, donors who helped finance um, some of the the costs and also financed um, donations to, to our backstage crew. And and then we you know we we got all these clips from other amazing artists who all have a passion for helping. So uh, it was a great experience. We put so much work into it, so much love into it, and um, it was it was great. I mean, we I, you know what we were gonna do? We were home, you right. know. Like we, yeah, we wanted to keep contributing. We needed to do something, and and um, and it was great. And we we made we we made new friends too. Yeah, made a lot of people happy. Mm-hmm. That's great. And can, and can people still access that? Is that something that people can find and either buy or donate and, for? And we still have it. No, it's, it was just streaming only. And mm-hmm. um, we still have the show. Maybe one day we'll find a home for it because it was mm-hmm. very special. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And it must have felt great. Even if it was 10 people, it must have felt so great just to be up in front of people again. It was. Yeah, it yeah. was. 
We did. Um, I I remember. I did. I did one Zoom comedy show, and I I was done. I I, I just I can't. It's it's especially with comedy, you know. With I I I watched a lot of band streaming sets from sound stages, and um, I think that still translates in a way. But when you're when you're just talking into a microphone in on your couch, you, and you can't see or hear anybody, it was like if I'm not going to get laughs, I want to I want to be able to look out at the people not laughing you know like i i want to be i want to be among them yeah <laughs> i don't need to be sitting on my couch for that uh well wh- uh, why we're here uh ken why don't you do a, a tight 10 for, for rick and lauren right now <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen I think, I think we've tortured them enough well but again but the, it, it goes back to that shared experience too especially yeah. with with comedy where it is it's a very different thing if you're not in a room with people and having that shared experience of that infectiously, you know, people's you know, it's kind of a joke, infectious laughter, but it, it really is of that yeah. that shared experience being in a room together, sharing that that same moment is is so important when you break that into different chat rooms or whatever that doesn't it, it doesn't translate at all. No, I, I yeah, I get that. I commend you for for doing a Zoom. Yeah, I mean, trying. I don't know how I, I, you I, see that. that. I tried one. I, there, there was a. I remember a comic. I, I don't even remember his name, but he he put out this long post about how Zoom was the future of comedy, and you either had to get on board or you were going to get left behind. And I was like, I I'm getting left behind. Then I'm I'm okay getting <laughs> I'm okay getting left behind. Me and Chip will talk about music once a week, and that'll be yeah, my that'll that. be my that'll creative be, outlet. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so, uh, Rick and Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. And, and yeah, and, and one last time, where uh, where can people go to get tickets and uh, to to, uh, to go to the website? If you can, just so everybody knows where to go. Um, well, tickets you can go to any of the city. You know, New York City Winery. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the City Winery in Washington D.C. Um, you can also go to RavenDrumFoundation.org, uh, and you can donate. You can see uh, where the tickets are there, or come to my website, LaurenMonroe.com. Learn I, more about us. I think on Instagram as well, we have a, we have Linktree. Um, it's so, everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Rick Allen Live, uh, Lauren Monroe Live. live. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the if you go to the link tree, it'll send you to where you can get tickets there also. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to come see the show. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And uh, I'm sorry. I look forward to meeting you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. <laughs> me too, definitely. And um, if you're listening and you're and you're not and you're not in D.C. or Philly or New York, please donate and send send a veteran in your place because I, I can't think of a more worthwhile cause. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Thanks for remembering that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys in person next week. And uh, we will uh, we'll have another episode next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.